Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of the Tarot Coloring Book and the co-author of Tarot for Troubled Times. I'm also your host for this podcast series. This is episode 153 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is tarot and the left-hand path. And I have a very special guest with me today, my friend, Barry Para. Welcome, Barry. Hello, Theresa. I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be invited to join your podcast today. <laughs> well, you know, this is a topic that I've been mulling around my head, and you're the only person that I wanted to talk about this topic with, mm-hmm. uh, because I know that you are a practitioner of the left-hand path, and so I'm very excited to get your wisdom. And, uh, you know, again, I'm very curious. So hopefully other people who are listening in are going to find what we're talking about also to be fascinating. So, and you're all, you're, we're talking, um, you're all the way in Mexico, correct? Exactly. I live in the beautiful city of Guanajuato. Oh, wonderful. One day I'm going to get down to Mexico one day and we shall meet in person. So it will happen. But anyhow, so let's get on our topic today. Um, can you tell my listeners what the left-hand path is? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, traditionally, the first one, I think, according to what I have researched uh, for a few years, the first one to refer it uh, uh, to refer to it as left hand path in the Western uh, context tradition was uh, Madame Blavatsky, which I'm sure that everybody knows, at least like from her name being mentioned. And uh, what happened was that when she traveled to India. She came across uh, the practice of the left-hand path. Of course, it had a different name in Sanskrit. The the name left-hand path was a translation that she gave to it. And she equated it um, with kind of like black magic, which is where a lot of the misunderstandings stem from, the preconceptions and the prejudices about this particular path. Personally, I define it as an alternative to the more mainstream um, practice of magic and witchcraft, especially in the Western world. Um, In reality, I mean, every magic, uh, every type of magic practice includes, um, incorporates different aspects of the energy of the practitioner, the person. And... um, Usually, the so-called right-hand path, they focus more on the, um, the, the light and uh, the goose and all that sort of thing. And traditionally, it was thought that the left-hand path was the opposite, you know, focused on uh, working with uh, black magic, dark energies, and creating uh, evil, that sort of thing. But as we move forward towards the 20th and then the 21st century, Um, magicians and occultists and practitioners and witches all start to chime in about why it's really not so cutthroat to say that something is black magic and or white magic or that the right hand path is like accepted and good and the left hand hand path is not accepted because it's bad or it's evil. So this is where it starts to get really interesting because right now, of course, you are going to find every type of 
practitioner in both, you know, paths, the right hand and the left hand. And, but I think that increasingly many in the left hand path are trying to um, get across the message that it's not about working with evil. I, I personally work with the uncomfortable, the awkward, the uh, hard truths and the tough love, if you want. Uh, so, um, of course, there is darkness, and I love to help people work with their shadow because that's how I started working with it by working in my with my shadows and with the shadows of my family's history. So um, that is how I define it. You know, it's it's just the path, the same one of magic and witchcraft and all these things, but not refusing to look at certain things, incorporating the light, yes, but also the dark, because the dark is what lets you appreciate the light a little bit more. And um, if you don't shed a little bit of light in your shadow, then you're never going to be able to work through the stuff that is uh, messing with yourself uh, completion and your self-knowledge and most importantly your self-love for me that's the the heart of of my practice self self-love okay. self-realization it, it's all it all revolves around the self that that's a great explanation um you know so you mentioned about misconceptions too and you know of course i've heard misconceptions you know people saying it's scary or things of that nature so what are some of the biggest misconceptions about the left-hand path that you'd like to straighten out right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, you kind well, of that with what we talked about, but just some of the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. The biggest one is that uh, the left-hand path necessarily has to incorporate ritual or ceremony. And I'm not dismissing the importance of ritual, but there is uh, there are many, many more ways to practice the left-hand path than, you know, just putting on all the attire and reading, you know, words in a dead language from a book. It is useful to know that it exists and it has its uses right now, but uh, it's not arcane. It's not, I mean, it doesn't require all that theatrical aspect, which I think that, well, as much as I really enjoy and um, embrace that, you know, visual aspect popularized by, you know, Satanism, LaVeyan Satanism and that sort of thing. Uh, But there is more to it than that. That is just like a surface theatrical tool that is used. So that that would be like one of my main ones. And the other is that, well, basically that the left-hand path, that that it has to do necessarily with doing uh, evil things or, you know, that it involves, um, you know, fostering negative feelings or dwelling on the, on the shadow. The other day, somebody on Twitter said, or Instagram, I remember that uh, they said that if you only focus on the shadow for your practice and you're always staying there, you're also going to, you know, expand on the negative and the purpose is not to just expand on the negative, to dwell on, you know, on the darkness. 
but there has to it has to incorporate the totality of energy and life and the universe. So uh, that will be another one. You know, it's not just fo- it doesn't just focus on you know doing evil things or concentrating on the bad sad things. It's just much broader than that. And um, the third one is somehow connected to what I have already said, that you don't have to look a certain way in order to practice in the left-hand path. I mean, I I love, you know, the aesthetics of it. Um, My Instagram is, is, you know, full of all these things. And and I, I think that it's a beautiful aesthetic. But there has to, either there has to be something behind that aesthetic that sustains it in, you know, in your practice, or if the aesthetic is not yet like your integral focus, or if it's different, I mean, if you happen to, you know, love unicorns and glitter and pink, but you want to practice in the left-hand path, you can absolutely do that. So yeah, these are the three. Few big ones. <laughs> I love that idea of wearing pink and unicorns and still be into the left-hand path. Yeah. Uh, that's really awesome. So here in America, um, you know, the modern-day Satanists, uh, Church of Satan, they're really politically active. Mm-hmm. And Lucian Graves, I think I pronounced his name right, mm-hmm. uh, has been doing a lot for you know freedom of religion. Mm-hmm. and also protecting women's rights and reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. So they're very political, and I think that that might surprise a lot of people to know that, mm-hmm. uh, but they're really fighting for freedom. And so there's mm-hmm. a real theme that I've noticed when I see them pop up in the news. It always is about well, freedom. So how mm-hmm. do you feel about that? Um, well, first of all, um now that you have mentioned uh, the it, it's uh, the satanic temple in Lucian Graves, right? Um, as you know, well, the so-called Satanism as an organized movement is split up in like three or more factions. I did not and, know that. Uh, yeah, yeah, and the most popular one is uh, the Church of Satan, which was founded by Anton Lavey. But then, of course, there were fractions and disagreements. And I think that the Satanic Temple, Lucian Graves, which, who is the current leader, um, is one of the you know, products of, of this uh, uh, system, or how, how, you, how you say this fragmentation. And these uh, groups of uh, Satanists are not um, religious in any way. They are okay. atheists. And I, on the other hand, I am a theistic Satanist. And I follow an individual and personal path. So while I think that it's amazing that any organization, such as the Satanic Temple, is doing political activism, especially if they favor, you know, that they are fighting for women's rights and all that, or, or for, you know, equality, you know, for gay rights and all that. I think that's amazing. And it's a a fight that I also consider my own, at least on an ideological level. But um, I am very wary of groups and whether they are religious or not, (laughs) groups and organizations are something that I shy away from a lot. (laughs) So um, I think that it's great that they are doing this and I have nothing like against any of these groups in particular, but I am absolutely certain that if 
Like if I went there and I talked to them about theistic Satanism, they would think I'm crazy or something. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I know that they are there and I, I appreciate their contributions and I have incorporated the beliefs uh, or the, yeah, you know, the tenets of uh, Satanism according to Anton LaVey or to Michael Ford, who is in another faction of the uh, Satanists whose name escapes me right now. But um, I think that they are amazing principles, but I personally have a spiritual factor, a theistic factor that they tend to shy away from. So, you know, this is really, really interesting to me because I did not know this. I did not know that there were many different branches. And I think, uh, you know, again, when people think of any type of spiritual spirituality, they, they think it's one way. You know, yeah. like when people think about, you know, like even yoga, yoga is something I practice for many, many years now. Mm-hmm. And it, all of it is very different. And by the way, I don't like organizations either. I belong to no yoga organizations. Organi- organizations mm-hmm. I find for me, I'm too individual. I'm a lone wolf. And oftentimes it's groupthink and it spells trouble. And I don't like that. So I, mm-hmm. I tend to shy away too. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think that's very interesting because again, um, I did not know this. So I, I'm sure my listeners are probably going to think too. Who knew there were all these different branches? <laughs> so here's the thing. Now let's go. Let's go to the tarot aspect of this. Sure. So would how would you apply the left hand path philosophy to tarot reading? Mm-hmm. Um, I always specify to my clients before we even do a reading that um, I tend to ask the really hard questions. Because the intuitive aspect of my practice, fortunately, allows me, whenever I establish contact with a potential client, I can tell if they are withholding something or refusing to see things or if, they, if there are other issues that they maybe are not mentioning, but important issues that are there that kind of hover over this particular issue or question they are trying to have answered. So I always say, well, first of all, I mean, I need to know uh, if you are disclosing this or that. So I I approach Tarot from a very kind of brutal truth approach. Mm -hmm. I am never rude. I never confront my clients, but I do uh, tell them, well, I sense this. And maybe the cards will back up me on this or, or maybe sometimes when I am already doing the reading, I'm like, hmm. So I, I tell them this is not about what you would like to hear. And this reading is not, this reading is not for validating something no. that you, maybe a, a decision that they have already made or that uh, something that they are doing and they need validation or confirmation Mm -hmm. I'm like you're not necessarily going to get that and I go as deep as I can in like the shadow aspect the things that people conceal from themselves or the games people play with themselves and I even do that for myself you know Um, in that sense there's always a shadow aspect Mm-hmm. in the readings that I do. And this, this is actually part of the reason why I chose later to say, okay, I am going to follow the left instead of the right. Because I started noticing 
that this information that I was seeing in the cards needed to be pointed out and expressed in like a more contundent way. Um, so this is the approach that I that I use. I always um, kind of look for the the shadow that may be lingering there, even if it's unacknowledged. And I am always like completely transparent with my clients and always from a place of respect, but also that respect entails that I, as a tarot reader in that moment, I'm not withholding anything from you just for the sake of keeping it all smiles and unicorns, you know? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's really interesting because I know that, um, you know, I do a lot of shadow work with clients and I deal with a lot of really heavy stuff. I think, I think people assume that when people come to a tarot reading, it's all like they want to hear about a tall, dark stranger, or they assume that's, a, that's what goes on in a reading. But oftentimes when people come to the tarot table, and I'm sure you can say this too, they are coming oftentimes with really heavy, deep, dark stuff that they don't feel comfortable taking mm-hmm. anywhere else. And the last thing they want is a love and light and throw unicorns and glitters on it. Oftentimes mm-hmm. they really do find that the greatest healing comes when we face those shadows directly and we're not afraid to go in there and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it, it does anybody any good to poo-poo that stuff or to not want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the most healing readings I've ever had in my life were always when we talked about really dark, heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely. And there have been instances in which I, uh, from the moment that they formulate the topic or the question, I immediately see the red flag there before we even start like saying, yes, let's do a reading before that. And whenever I pick up on that, I, I mean, I have a very strict eth- uh, code of ethics that I follow mm-hmm. and I always tell them, you know what, it is not wise that the first person that you speak about this topic with is a tarot uh, person like me. Mm-hmm. You should definitely take care of these in, through like therapy or other channels. And then maybe tarot can assist you, you know, as, as uh, a tool for support for that. And I know that you take this approach as well. Yes, I, absolutely. I'm all, I, actually, I'm a huge fan about therapy because I think, I, well, here's for one thing, my friend Diane Bloom, she's a crystal healer. She owns a wonderful crystal shop here in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And she one time said to me, she said, Teresa, everybody needs therapy because everybody had a childhood. Mm-hmm. And I agree. <laughs> I, think, I think therapy is amazing. I think it does a lot. Tarot could be an ally for therapeutic work, but you know, we have to steer people in the right directions. I'm not a licensed therapist. I always tell people, listen, go get your therapy. It is going to be the thing that helps you more than anything. This is just an ally. Um, You know, it's so interesting too, when you're speaking about ethics, because again, people have misconceptions. I'm sure people think left-hand path, oh my God, they probably have no ethics. They're probably doing all this crazy stuff, blah, blah, blah. And they don't understand that there is actually a code of ethics too that people who have the left-hand path are on. Could you tell me about some of the ethics as a tarot reader that you have? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, it's honesty, you know, completely being honest and transparent with your clients. And um, even as far as, you know, um, how they how they should apply the information that you give them, you know, during a reading. Um, and another one would be 
you know, also like walking my talk, you know, I'm not going to tell them, okay, being honest in this. And then maybe later, for example, in this conversation that I am having with you, um, say something else that uh, is not in alignment with things that I have done. So that th those two would be part of it. And then also, you know, bravery, I think, because it takes an amount of, you know, guts to dare and practice the left-hand path and the readings. And you have to be really convinced because, you know, once you say you are in the left-hand path and that's from the, the, the corner of the universe from where you work, um, most of the tarot readers, astrologers, witches, uh, etc., kind of uh, take a step back And I mean, you're not in, you're not included sometimes, in, you know, the, the, the hip crowd. So you're, you, you have to be in this because you are really committed and you really want to, to fulfill your purpose and to fulfill uh, your objective, which is to help people um, have a better life and fulfill their, their, their self uh, love, their self uh, pleasure and all that. Uh, and not really care so much about, oh, I want to be part of the community. I mean, that is important, okay. but it always comes second to doing what I am doing for real and being honest, you know. And the other is, um, I don't know how to like phrase it with just one word, but for example, I never do work or readings for anyone other than the person who is contacting me. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm, I, I will always, when, if somebody says, oh, can you do a reading for my mom? I had a person who wanted to, to give her mom a, a reading, I don't know, as a gift or something. Uh -huh. And I said, well, that's wonderful. You can, of, co of course, gift her a reading with me, but she has to say to me that she wants the reading. Okay. And I mean, I could have said yes and blah, 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 and, you know, you know, make, make money, but that is secondary to following my code of ethics. And the person has to know, I mean, if, if they are going to receive a reading, it has to also come from them or any other type of service that, that, I, that I offer. They, want, they have to want it uh, okay. for themselves, even if somebody else is gifting it to them, but they have to manifest to me that A, they are aware and B, they are okay with it. <laughs> that makes so much sense, too, because when you think about it, especially the way you say it, um, I've always heard people say that you should never do readings for people who are not present. But the mm -hmm. way you're saying it is like, if they're not agreeing to the reading, then it's not of, a, of their free will. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like love magic. You know, you hear about people doing all these love spells, and it's like, but if you do a love spell to force someone to love you, it's number one, it's against their will. Don't you have to keep doing it to keep them? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, would you want somebody to be with you because there's a spell on them or do you want them to be with you because they want to be with you? It's the same with the reading. That makes, that actually makes total sense. I've never heard it put like that. Ah. <laughs> well, so, I'm glad that to bring yeah, that perspective. <laughs> it's a very different perspective because usually what people say is, well, it's spying. But what you're saying is, is it's, it's impeding on their free will. And I really, I mean, that's like a light bulb going off for me right now. So mm -hmm. thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so um, what would you say to people who are scared to get a reading? when they find out that you're a left-hand path? Um, I mean, some people are scared to get a tarot reading in general yeah. because, mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of people who have stigma to it. 
Mm-hmm. But if they hear like, oh my God, you're a left-hand path and tarot, I don't know about that. What would you say to that? Uh, well, now that you have just mentioned, it all comes down to free will and knowing yourself. Yeah. So definitely um, stepping outside of what's comfortable or what is familiar to us, um, it takes a certain amount of commitment with yourself and it takes uh, a certain strength because you have to first accept and be comfortable with the fact that um, that we are divine and that our will has power. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's a very empowering act. And of course, power is a word that is even dirty for so many people. It can instill fear because we have a very negative association with it because of, you know, society, culture, even, you know, economics and all that sort of thing. But the reason that we feel uncomfortable with these things, left-hand path, maybe call it black magic, or maybe uh, call it Satan or Satanism, Mm -hmm. is because we have been formed in a context of conformism and uh, uniformity. Even if we are not Christian or Catholic, you are still, you know, society is shaped on those conceptions of, uh, you know, we here are trying to be on, on, the, on the white side, on the bright side, or on the accepted side. Mm-hmm. And this other faction is like on the darkness, they are the black sheep, etc. So if somebody would be afraid of that, I would say, well, consider your own self. I mean, if the parts that you know, even the parts that you don't really like so much, how do you feel about them? If, if what they feel is maybe not even love, but tolerance or acceptance, even, you know, those people who are resigned, like, oh, I know that I am like this and I, w- I wouldn't want to be, but I have come to accept that I have this side. If, if you can harbor that um, in your heart, there is nothing left to fear because all the other things that are leading you to believe that this should be left alone because it's bath or should be swept under the rug because you don't want to have to deal with it. Newsflash, we deal with that every single day. So that's what I would say. I mean, you're already maybe familiar with that aspect, even if you don't call yourself a left-hand path practitioner or a Satanist, you already exert some measure of free will. Uh, You already do certain things for your pleasure, hopefully. (laughs) And, and, um, you know, just open that door just a little bit. It doesn't involve or require that you change your beliefs. You just need to, you know, incorporate that crucial piece of the puzzle. And who knows what could happen? Yeah, you might be, you might be surprised at what you discover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one last question then. Um, let's talk about the devil card. Yeah. In tarot. Mm-hmm. Because the devil card, when that card comes up, and that, you know, over the years, and I've been reading tarot now for, oh, I've been reading it actually for over 40 years, but 30 years 
mm-hmm. um, as a career. And, you know, oftentimes that devil card comes out and people get really freaked out. They get really scared. Um, mm-hmm. They, this is where they say, this is all, you know, the devil or whatnot. So what do you have to say about the devil card? And I'd love to hear a left-hand path interpretation of the devil card. Mm-hmm. Well, um, actually, I, as a, as a piece of iconography, I find it, you know, beautiful. It's, it's really amazing. If you analyze the elements in it, I find it very um, meaningful, not only spiritually, but on a sociological level. And even, you know, going back as to the collective uh, unconscious, I think that it holds a wealth of, of meaning. We are all, well, I was born in the 80s, in 1980, so I am still very familiar with these cartoons when sometimes we used to see these characters, like, Mm -hmm. trying to decide what they would do if they were going to do, like, something like mischief or whatever, and you would see, like, a little angel and a little devil on on each of their shoulders, and... I I always relate that so much to the devil card. Whenever mm-hmm. this card comes up in reading, it actually doesn't make me nervous. It's kind of like um like a playful wake up call, like the devil is calling your bluff. Mm-hmm. Um and what I love and I find very empowering, even when you look at it, it it, it would seem that it has to do with like, you know, those chains and mental or physical slavery and you know like being doomed it's dark it's scary but what i see is the seed for self-empowerment um and that's how i read it always for my clients i mean i tell them well on the downside there is this you know and it can be a wealth of issues you know it Mm -hmm. can be codependency it can be uh being obsessed over a person that is not uh, reciprocating your your feelings it can be you know an, a state of mental slavery or a decision that has been looming over you for so long that you feel en- enslaved and weighed by it or you know these all these uh, spider webs that grow inside our mind when we refuse to you know break out and kind of enslaves us in a way. But the beauty of it, of course, you know this, is that uh, the chains are not uh, fastly attached. There is a way out mm-hmm. and you can get out. So um, sometimes depending on the context also, I'm like, for example, I used to do these um, weekly readings and that sort of thing uh, on my Twitter. And whenever the devil came up, and the weekend was approaching, or maybe it was a Friday, I was like, okay, I mean, it looks like it's going to be a very playful and fun and lusty weekend, which is not bad in itself. But just watch it because just remember, I mean, if you are going to uh, have sex with somebody you don't know, take precautions. If you are going to drink, don't drink and drive, drink plenty of water or something like that. I mean, it doesn't mean that I never tell people, no, don't do this. Don't succumb to the temptation because I I, I actually don't believe in that line of thinking, but it's just like, be wise about 
the mischief that you are indulging in. That that would be kind of my my reading for for that context. Or just you know, this that you are obsessing with this thing that is apparently enslaving you actually is not so bad. It's not so scary, and there is a way out. And I mean, the person they themselves are their guardian angel and their little devil. They they always have these two sides. And sometimes it's better to obsess over something than to deny it. Yeah. Because when you actually go in there then and say, well, let me get hardcore on this, then you can find the seeds to let it go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Denying yeah. is a lot harder. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Harder. Yeah. And that way, I mean, we have a saying here in Mexico, which is like, nadie escarmienta en cabeza ajena, which would translate something like, nobody can learn from other people's mistakes. So, I mean, I also would add in, I mean, if you're going to go ahead and do this or continue with this thing, just be aware that you are choosing to do it and be aware then of the lesson that is in there for you. I love that. And I love everything that you shared with me today. I learned so much and I I really love the light bulb moment that I had about doing readings for other people. That is like the first time anybody has ever articulated it like that to me. So, um, Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It was a highlight of my year, definitely. Well, can you tell people, tell my audience where they can find you, where they can work with you, where they can learn more about your work in the world? Mm -hmm, Thank you. Well, I have a website, which is uh, serpentsrubrum.net. Uh, and they can find links for everything there. And also my code of ethics, an explanation of how I got where I am, if, if they want to do that. I also have my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Serpent's Room. I am posting content that is exclusive for patrons there. It's very accessible. There are free membership levels available so far. Like I share spells every month, a weekly uh, Demon Tarot card and that sort of thing. And on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at, at Serpent's Room. I'm, I'm, I'm with the same user uh, everywhere. <laughs> Yes, you're very easy to find. And I also love seeing you pop up in my Instagram and Twitter. And by the way, congratulations on being in Vogue recently. Thank you so much. Yes, that was incredible. I couldn't believe it. And my mom and some friends were like, wow, I got goosebumps when I saw your name there. So I'm so grateful for Gabby, who is uh, such a badass, powerful witch. And oh, my God. Beautiful people that I've met on Twitter. Um, I was so grateful for her for considering me for that piece. Well, Gabriella Herstick has good taste, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, thank you. Anyhow, we are going to wrap this up. So once again, thank you so much for joining me. This has been so interesting. And for people who are listening, I hope you find this as interesting and fascinating as I did. And that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. You guys can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free tarot and astrology lessons, the tarot coloring book, hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts, lots of other good things for you guys to scope out, enjoy. And I want to thank you again for listening. I hope you have a beautiful day. And hey, if you love this podcast, do me a favor, head over to iTunes and leave a kind review because that helps more tarot curious people find their way to tarot bites. And as always, I like to close out by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day and let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. 
you are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending.